there's something wrong in her button. But rather than fix her button, what does she do? She works on her appearances, works on her zahir. So outwardly she leads the life of a pious personality, but inwardly she is suffering from a sinful disease. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this clear in Quran. That indeed each and every person from humanity is a witness, has basira, can perceive their own self, their own condition. It's from Udr. That even though they may offer and present their Udr, their excuses to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or they even present their excuses to themselves, everyone knows truly their reality and their condition. Hmm? Allahu Akbar. So then what we have to do if we want to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is we need to do introspection. We need to reflect. Like the famous saying, Hasibu kabla antu hasibu. That reflect on your real state before that real state is examined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment. Hmm? So all we have and Allah ta'ala and his hidayah and his rahmah and his guidance and his mercy, he made it easy that all we have to do is to ask our heart. You don't need to go for some analysis, some treatment. All you have to do is analyze your own heart, your own self. This is the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the blessing of this conscience. So that's why if a woman, she has a sinful feeling or she does a sinful act, as long as she has iman in her heart, <coughs> she will feel regret and remorse within herself. She will feel shame in herself. But sometimes it can happen that a person gets so addicted to a particular sin or gets so adjusted in a particular lifestyle they don't feel remorse in it anymore. For example, a person might be living such a materialistic lifestyle where they engage sometimes in extravagant, luxurious expenses and they don't feel bad about it anymore. They don't realize that this is a level which is called israf. This is a level which is called waste and excess by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm? And they don't realize it. So because they don't realize it and they don't feel any remorse or hesitation or shame, they think it's okay. So that's why, yes, on the one hand, we must look into our heart. But on the second hand, sometimes our heart may have become numb to realizing the wrong things that we do. So that's why we also need to have an external assessment. That is why we have this path of tazkiyah. That whether it's a man or a woman, they need this external benchmark, this external assessment. So they may think, she may think that she is going just fine in her deen. But if she has a sheikh and she has an alama and she has senior women on the path of zikr, who are, she is in their company and she gets to see them and she comparatively assesses herself compared to them, then she might realize there, there are things that she's doing that are actually wrong. When she listens to bayan of mashayikh, Majlis of Mashaikh, she will hear things that will give her a different perspective on life and then she will realize that she was doing some things that were wrong. And now after that realization, after that external assessment, after that hidayah on the path of tazkiyah, now her heart will feel shame and remorse and hesitation on doing those things. So a person needs to do both. 
We must reflect ourselves on our own inner condition, but we must all listen to Bayan, listen to the teachings of ulama and mashayikh present ourselves in front of the hidayah of Qur'an and Sunnah, and then interact with living alama, zakira, women, be in their company and present our situation and condition to them, and be assessed and examine ourselves in light of that, and then we will realize that yes, there's still much more we can do. MashaAllah, those women who are very good homemakers, they're always looking around in their house with an examining eye that is there any room for improvement. Anything that is slightly worn, I will replace it. Any upholstery that has gotten done, I will replace it. Anything, any room for improvement. But if she could only take that same attitude, outlook, perspective on her deeds, is there any part of my personality that could be improved? Is there any aspect of deen where I may be a bit slack, I may have gotten a bit lax, I may have fallen in laziness? Is there any more ilm of Qur'an that I could know? Is there any more knowledge of deen that I could acquire? Is there more feelings for Allah Ta'ala I could have in my heart? Is there some more feeling of zikr that I could do? Is there more understanding of hadith and seerah that I could have? Is there any more work of deen I could be doing? Is there any more people in my life to whom I could share and spread the teachings of deen and the commandments of Allah Ta'ala? Is there more? Just like when she looks in her house, is there scope for improvement? Hmm? Even when she makes a single dish of food, she's constantly thinking, maybe I can make it better. A sprinkle of this, a dash of that. Huh? SubhanAllah. And she tastes it, then she asks, then she prevents it for external assessment, then she asks the friend to taste it, she asks the husband to taste it, the child to taste it, she wants feedback, she is on this mission to improve it and make it as best as she can. That same attitude, that same outlook, that same perspective, she should take it on her deen. She should take it on her deen. Now one of the disadvantages of having too much luxuries, now all of these luxuries are the bounties and blessings of Allah SWT, but sometimes they can numb a person's heart. So this is a recurring theme we are sharing with the women now in South Africa, that our analysis our analysis after coming now again recently for two year, years is one thing that is holding the women back is the luxurious lifestyle, is enjoying the luxury, is being comfortable in the luxury. So there's a certain level of sacrifice that is required if you want to go even further in deen. There's an extra level that a person goes in deen when they make some sacrifice and they have some simplicity when they make some sacrifice and they have some simplicity. And if they don't have that sacrifice and they don't adopt that simplicity, there may be a lot of things they're still, mashallah, doing in deen, but it will be capped. There will be like a limit and they won't be able to go beyond that limit because they're too caught up in the comforts and luxuries in this world. So what happens then in that situation that a woman, then she's only willing to do whatever in deen she can do along with her existing schedule, within her existing timetable, within her setup. So if there's any extra leftover over time, in other words, she's going to give the leftover scraps of her time to deen. And if there's any teaching of deen, practice of zikr, gathering of knowledge, which she can fit into her schedule, she will do it. But the moment you try to encroach on her dunya, she starts saying, 
No, I'm so busy. Oh, I have to work. Oh, I have to take my children to school. Oh, I have to take care of my husband. Oh, I have to take care of the home. And if any one of her friends calls her up and invites her to some social gathering, to the launch of the next Abaya line, to go check out the new bakery, she never says that to the friend, that, oh, I'm busy with my children, I'm busy with my home. She goes. But a sheikh tells her that no, you should take some time out now and make the zikr of Allah Ta'ala. You should start learning your deen properly. You should get knowledge of tafsir and hadith. Then she throws up all these things. Hmm? So what is she saying? She's saying that I'm only willing to do that extra things in deen that do not even disturb my worldly routine in the slightest. This should be untouched. So this is a complete reversal of priority. Deen is priority. Allah Ta'ala is priority. Allah Ta'ala is first. First and foremost, all of our worldly schedule can be adjusted for the sake of even one drop of increase in deen. All of our worldly schedule can be adjusted even to get slightly closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Slightly closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So it's very important that we should do that. Now what happens is that I want to explain clearly that this doesn't mean that you become neglectful or negligent of the duties Allah Ta'ala has put. So I want you to understand there's two things you must learn if you truly want to get closer to Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. It's not enough just to come to a dars and bayan as a fad and a fashion. You have to come with a mission. You have to come with a passion. You have to come with a niyat that you want to change. You want to sacrifice. You want to simplify your dunya. You want to go deeper in deen. You want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You want your heart to have more taqwa, more sunnah, more haya, more zikr. That is the niyat with which you should have come today. And if you want to be successful in that intention, then you have to learn a few things about how to prioritize and balance your life. First thing you must understand, like I said, Allah Ta'ala is first and foremost. So this is called Hukukullah. So the highest priority, first priority in your life is Hukukullah. Now there are two aspects to this. One is called the Fara'il. That is what is mandatory to do. Like the five times Fard Salah, like staying away from lying, staying away from backbiting, that's also Fard. All of these things that are Fard. Then the second is Nawafil, extra. Alright? Extra. Second priority is called Hukuk al-Ibad. Now here, Hukuk al-Ibad means that Allah Ta'ala Himself has placed you in certain roles, in certain contexts, such as you may be a mother, you might be a wife, you might be a daughter-in-law, you might be a daughter, etc. So you must now fulfill that role according to the way Allah Ta'ala wants you to fulfill it according to the way Allah Ta'ala wants you to fulfill it. In other words, let's take the example of being a mother. So the real thing about being a mother, the hukuk al-ibad aspect of being a mother, is that you raise your children in such a way that they become the lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now every mall trip may not fall into that. Every shopping may not fall into that. All your worry and concern for their worldly future, their dunya may not fall into that. So actually that is something extraneous. But as far as the hukuk al-ibad that counts as you building your relationship to Allah subhanahu that is to play out that role the way Allah wants you to serve that role. Now being a good wife to your husband, 
means that obviously you must be loving and affectionate and caring and supportive. It might mean for some of you that you're a homemaker, but that is to a certain extent. Being a homemaker and housewife is not your real personality. It's not your real identity. For some of you, it's become your personality. No, that's not what Allah Ta'ala wants. That you do so into it, so involved in the baking and decorating and cooking and designing. Now you've gone beyond hukulaba. This is your own affair. This is not what Allah Ta'ala is requiring of you. So when you go beyond that excess, it's called israf. So when you go into excess in that, that is not part of your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright? So now let's go back and look at this again. First priority is hukukullah, the faraya, that which is mandatory and obligatory. Second is hukukul ibad, those things that Allah ta'ala wants you to do in your functions and role. Then third, after that, without any excess in israf and number two, Number three is back again in Hukukullah, in Nawafil, in learning Ilm of Deen, Quran al Kareem, Sunnah of Nabi Kareem, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, practicing the zikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, listening to Bayan, being in Sohbah, and also being of some khidmat and service to Deen. Then after that comes extra. So these are the three priorities. Number one, the faraid from Hukukullah. Number two, the role that Allah Ta'ala wants you to play in Hukukul Ibad, and that is done in His name and for His sake and for His pleasure. This is part of your relationship with Him. And third, third is, again, Hukukullah, but that, that is to get more of Deen. Then the fourth thing, after these, these three priorities are clear, the fourth thing is extra. So now what happens now, instead of priority, we use the word balance. Sometimes you will have to give extra time to your roles and responsibilities, extra time to the people in your life, and sometimes you will be able to give extra time to your deen. Now this extra, it really depends, each woman is in her own individual circumstance and condition. So for example, maybe Allah Ta'ala has blessed some of you to have a mother-in-law, husband, family, home environment, which are all strong on deen, supportive of deen, inclined on deen. So for a woman in that situation, she may be pretty much saved from getting involved in the extras of dunya, and she can give all of her extra time to deen. There may be yet another example of a woman who maybe she is coming to deen, she comes to beyond, she's trying to learn more about the love for Allah Ta'ala, she's trying to practice the zikr of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. However, her husband is not so inclined now you have to have hikmah, you now have to have wisdom. So even though maybe your own heart's passion is I want to spend all my free time in zikr, I want to spend all my free time in online class, I want to spend all my free time in learning deen, you know you have to spend some of that extra time being with your husband. It, when you do that, even though you don't want to, maybe you feel it's futile, maybe you feel it's ghafla, maybe you feel that I don't want to sit with my mother-in-law, all she's doing is talking about other people. But if she wants you to be there, to a certain extent, sometimes you will have to spend some time with them. You will have to balance this. Now there's no golden rule formula about balancing. And you will learn sometimes by making mistakes. It will be a bit of trial and error. There will be some fumbling and bumbling along the way. But sometimes you will have to give extra time to Google about. Alright? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put barakah in her balancing. Now let me give you another way to understand the concept of balance, and this is also a very important thing for a woman, so that is her outward and inner haya. So if you remember in the beginning I spoke to you about the zahir and the batin, one is the outward form and appearance, and the second is the inward reality. So haya, haya, in which lies the dignity and honor and respect of a woman, the dignity, honor and respect in the eyes of others, her dignity, honor and respect in her own eyes means her self-respect, but most of all her honor and dignity as far as her relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is based on her haya, and not just outer haya, but also her inner haya, true haya. Now, let's look at this notion of balance. So let's start with the outer forms. So let's say there are three levels of balance that our Mashaikh have mentioned, right? In Persian and in Urdu, the first is called Asayish. Asayish means ease and comfort. So for example, when a woman is at home or within her mehram, male or all-female company, she may wear whatever clothes that are easy for her to wear and she feels comfortable wearing them. They're easy for her to wear and she feels comfortable wearing them. Sharia has given her permission to wear such clothes as long as still, even in such company of even all women, there's a level of decorum, a level of hayat that still she maintains. But she can wear what she finds easy and comfortable. So there's no strict stipulation in that sense exactly what a woman has to wear. Second is zibaish. Now zibaish means that these are those clothes that number one they're easy and comfortable to wear and they may also be beautiful and attractive and appealing to her. Right now I'm just talking about the clothing she wears in all female gatherings or in the privacy of her home. Alright? Now Sharia allows that as well. She may like particular design, she may like particular style, she likes to pick the clothes that she finds her nice looking patterns, colors, her favorite colors. She's allowed this also. She has allowed this as well. Alright? Okay. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like the third level. The third level in Persian and Urdu is called Namayish. This is called Riya, to show off. That okay, I'm going to wear this. Why? Because the other women tonight should see me in a different outfit. How can I wear this perfectly nice and beautiful outfit again when I wore two years ago at that wedding and again they will see it again? Hmm? Or anything for fame, for show-off, for display, for extravagance, this is not allowed. This is not allowed in the Sharia. Now the same thing, Baish Namaish, that which is ease and what easily protect themselves from. However, now if you move to the second area, which is her clothing outside, which is her clothing outside, means outside the protected, limited environment. Her clothing outside, let's say she has to take her children to school, or she has to not be any namayish, anything that is show, display, that would then invite unwarranted attraction to her. So that's why it's important that a woman should not wear rings outside the home, she shouldn't wear bracelets outside the home, in places where anybody could see that, she shouldn't wear any type of fancy, decorative, embellished, attractive, alluring, pattern abayas or decorated abayas like that, she should not wear those things when she knows she's going to be 
in the presence or even passing by, for that matter, غير محمد. Now when it moves, it's easy, comfortable to wear, can be the same one, which was the design, the chibab, and that abayad jilbab is only on the first level, aspect of her outer haya. The same thing is her innocence, no showing off, right? She must save herself. And number two, she must guard her inner beauty. She must guard her inner beauty. That is also something that is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is also her inner haya. That is her inner haya. That is her inner haya. Now, what happens is that we've observed that because, mashallah, Allah ta'ala has blessed some women and that Allah ta'ala has given them more wealth than the average Muslim woman in the world, but they misunderstand and they sometimes use that wealth in ways of dressing outside the home which is not beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So every woman should want that whenever I leave my home, I want all the time Allah Ta'ala is gazing at me with His love. I want to be tracked by the love for, from Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala coming into my heart. And that will happen through simplicity. That will happen through simplicity. So earlier I told you one thing was sacrifice. The second thing is simplicity. Inside the home, she should also try to be simple, but to a certain extent, she can enjoy the blessings that Allah Ta'ala has given her. But outside the home, she should be the model of simplicity. Outside the home, she should be the model of simplicity. Our own Mashaikh, and this may pinch some of the South African women, if especially younger ones are here, our own Mashaikh also took another stance that even when you're in your own home, even there, your selection of clothing should still try to be the clothing that historically has been worn by this ummah. I.e., as a perfect example, American blue jeans, right? And I, I, this is something that, okay, strictly speaking, as a strict fatwa, it might be permissible to wear that. But our mashaikh, the way they train the women who want to be zakirat, the women who want to be salihat, the women who want to be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that even under the baya, even in their own home, that they would not wear jeans. Why? Because jeans have a nisbat with a jean culture, with a jean mentality, with a jean westernization pop culture. So we don't even want to be affiliated to that. We don't even want to be attached to that. We don't even want to be attached to that. Now this is now what I was telling you is the next level. This next level goes beyond technicality and legality. This next level has to do with spirituality. Adopting, sacrificing certain things, having certain simplicity in order to make oneself even closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man tashabbaha bikawmin fuhuwa minhum. That whomsoever resembles any culture, elements of that culture will enter them. They will then belong to that culture. Fuhuwa minhum. They then belong to that culture. Now, some women might be thinking that, oh, this is too intense and it's just a piece of fabric and it's just denim and what difference does it make? So I ask you this, you just simply make an experiment. You try, if any one of you wear that particular clothing called jean, you put it away and you try for two, three weeks not to wear it. And you tell me yourself whether that has an effect on your heart and your spirituality. You adopt simplicity, you try it. But don't give a rational analysis that what difference will this make. 
you try and test it for yourself. If you want to be rational, you test it. That scientific method is experimentation, trial. So you try and test it for yourself and you see the difference it will make. You stop wearing the jeans at home or even under abaya and you don't wear the jewelry and the things when you leave the home and you don't wear the fancy embossed glossy abayas outside the home. You just try it and see if that will affect the spirituality of your heart. All right? This certain sacrifice in spirituality, sacrifice for the sake of spirituality, simplicity for the sake of spirituality, this is something I've now felt over time that some of the women have this hesitation. If nothing else, you should view it as you want to step on your nafs. You should reflect it. Why is my nafs so attached to this? Why is this so important to me? Why should, what? This itself is something to be rid of. That e, I should not be so attached to this extravagant luxury. Rather, this attachment should have been reserved for deen, for matters of deen, affairs of deen, ibadat of deen, feelings of deen. Those should be the things that my heart was attached to. Those should be the things my heart should have given up, should not be able to give up. And in fact, this is another training that the Mashaikh would teach. It's called Mukhalafat al-Nafs. Sometimes a person would be asked to give up something that's purely halal. So it's nothing to do with legality. Something that's purely halal, but give it up. Why? Because you have become overly attached to it. And that extra attachment, that fondness, that is supposed to be reserved for your feelings of deen. Like Allah SWT said in Quran, that what's one way of charity? That they give from that which they love. They give that which is beloved to them. Why? Now, it's permissible to give anything in charity. But Allah Ta'ala specifically mentioned in Quran, his greater love and his greater fuzzle coming on that person when they donate something from that which they love. Because now not only do they get the reward of the charity, but they also get the qurb, the closeness to Allah Ta'ala that comes when they make themselves less close to something in dunya. So when they love that thing, they were close to it. They were attached to it. So maybe it's her favorite sweater. Huh? No, I'm really teasing some of you. Huh? Maybe her favorite sweater. So she should give her favorite sweater to the maid. Not the leftover one, the one she didn't like, the one which is the color she didn't like, the one which is the fabric she didn't like. Now why? It's perfectly fine to give any of those other ones. It's just color, right? But you give that which you love and, and are attached to away for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will replace, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will replace that attachment and love for some material and worldly thing. Allah Ta'ala will replace that and put in your heart love and attachment for deen. Love and attachment for Him. Allahu Akbar So if you have come to today's program, you should know. That this is what the Messiah teaches. It's called Tazkiyah, to purify our heart, Qurb, to try to bring our heart closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are ways, these are things Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Quran. These are things Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Quran. So yes, you might love to wear that ring. Take it off and leave it in the drawer when you go home. Allah Ta'ala will give you more love for Him. Allah Ta'ala will give you more attachment to Deen. And this is what I mean, the sacrifice, not doing the sacrifice and not adopting the simplicity has made some of us 
in love with halal, fine, but in love with halal dunya, overly attached to halal dunya, and those loves and attachment to halal dunya is holding us back from going to the next level in our day. It's your choice. It's your choice. All right? Now, there may be some women who are here also who are, we're not right now about the next level, we're still here about the first level. So there may be a woman who's still stuck in some sins, maybe still struggling to pray. All right. Even in her case, even in her case, if she gives up some of the extraneous extra things in this world, she will feel more love and attachment to Deen and that will help her leave the sins or the unlawful feelings or the unlawful relationships. It will help her become regular in Salah, regular in Zikr. It will help her get the feelings of Taqwa, Haya and Zikr in her heart. So actually this is an easy way Allah Ta'ala has made. An easy way Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala has made. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So some sacrifice and some simplicity. Some sacrifice and some simplicity. Basically, a person will make this choice in their life. That do they want to live this life of simplicity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and try to pursue and enjoy their deen to the fullest extent? Or do they want to try to live this worldly life to the fullest extent and to enjoy their life and lifestyle to the fullest extent. In that case, they will end up with a very simple deen. They will get very simple deen. Hmm? They will get bare bones deen. They will get a very minimum deen. Why? Because then what happens is she concentrates on enjoying herself. She concentrates, concentrates and focuses on the pleasures and joy that this world has to offer. She concentrates on the comfort, the creature comforts and luxuries that the halal dunya has to offer. So that's a different focus. Rather, she needs to cut herself away from that and focus on the enjoyments and pleasures that the deen has to offer. In Arabic, this was called zuhud. Zuhud. Now, zuhud doesn't mean that you have to leave your house and leave your car. No. You will still have the house, you will still have the car. But you don't seek enjoyment from it. This is called zod. Zod sometimes in English is called being an ascetic. It doesn't capture it properly. But zod means to be in the world without being worldly. Hmm? To be in the dunya without being dunyavi. Hmm? To have the enjoyments of the world without enjoying them. Why? Because there's a greater concern. Now I'll give you an example that all the women are able to do this. Anytime there's a problem in her life, there's a worry in her life, so then, when, because of that worry, because of that difficulty, she doesn't take enjoyment and pleasure, she doesn't look at her kitchen and she doesn't, can't get pleasure from that, right? If she calls her friend and says, oh, I'm having this problem, if the friend tells her on the phone, oh, just go sit in your kitchen and you have such a nice kitchen set, you'll be happy. She says, I can't derive any happiness from that. She says, oh, go sit in your nice car, you have such a nice car. She says, I can't derive any happiness from that. And if she'll say, these things are meaningless to me. I have this other sorrow in my heart. Maybe my husband mistreated me. Maybe we had some difficulty in business. Maybe there's some sadness in my heart. Maybe I experienced some loss. All of these materialistic things are of no comfort to me. Right? So that means that she has the ability to turn off. Turn off the ability to enjoy and be pleased by halal, extra luxurious dunya. Hmm? Why? Because she had a gham, means she had a concern and a worry in her, in her heart. 
So similarly, those women who want to become lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who want to become zakirat women, who want to live their life to the fullest extent on deen, they also have a gham, gham fikr, uh, concern in their heart. Hmm? And that concern is so overriding that I want to make myself pleasing to Allah Ta'ala. I want to love Allah Ta'ala. I want to do my tazkiyah. I want to purify my heart. That concern is so overriding. They may still have those things in this world, but they no longer take enjoyment, pleasure, and satisfaction from those things. That's called zuhd. That's called zuhd. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Allahu Akbar Kabira. Now some other women or girls, they may be caught up in other things. One is TV, TV or internet or DVD, any type of programs, any type of movies, any home where there is a TV. This TV is just an aspect of fitna. Hmm? This TV is where shaitan has found a way to invade our home. All these screens, the screen, screen has been used by shaitan to invade the homes and indeed to invade the hearts invade the homes and invade the hearts of the believers. Hmm? So we should be very careful. Very careful. Hmm? Sometimes there are women who don't want the TV, the husband insists on keeping it. Sometimes there are men who don't want the TV, the wife insists on keeping it. Allahu Akbar Kabira. So this also will impact your spirituality. You have to learn how to live a life free of these things. It's only when you free up your heart from these things that your heart will now be able to feel the pleasure of salah, the enjoyment of deen, the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people, they make an excuse of using news, that news is an excuse to keep the TV in their houses. No. MashaAllah, you have these Islamic radio stations, they also have news on them. That's sufficient news for you. Hmm? So you have to be careful. You have to be careful with all of these types of things. Then Allah Taala, He also made it clear in Quran that there are some things which have benefit and there are some things that have harm. There are some things that have both. But those things that have both the harm is greater than the benefit, we should leave it also. Now, Khair Allah mentioned this in Quran about liquor, about alcohol. Alcohol ultimately became declared haram. But there was a gradual process in which Allah was declaring it haram. And along the way, Allah explained one thing to the believers. That the harm in these things is even greater than any possible benefit or any perceived benefit or even any real benefit, still the harm is greater. Now this is also a concept of Zohar, that I will reassess everything in my dunya. And if there may even be some things that are of benefit in it, but if the spiritual harm is greater, spiritual harm is greater than the worldly benefit, the spiritual danger is better than the worldly benefit, I will remove that thing from my life. Now there was a time when it was about television, now it's about internet, now it's about cell phones, and a lot of parents also make this problem that they give their daughters cell phones too early. And I know that you say the daughters go crazy insistent on us and their friends at school have the cell phones and how can we not give it to them? Yet you have to lay down the law sometimes. 
right? You have to be careful, you have to be, to be protective. Then they worry that, okay, what if she gets one in secret, or she keeps it from me secretly? Okay, yes, you're correct. There's a chance of that. There's a chance of that. But the chance that she keeps one secretly, use it secretly, is less, and the chance that you give her one openly and she uses it secretly, that's even more. That's more. If she has it openly, the chance that she secretly uses it wrongly is more. Then the chance that she gets it secretly and she uses it wrongly, secretly, that's less. Hmm? And then what happened because of the cell phone and internet, so these sins came right into our homes. And many times, many of these sweet women, and you know, mashallah, all of you are nice sweet women, but many times the sweet Gujarati mothers, as an example, they don't know what's going on with their daughters. They have no idea. They're completely clueless. Sometimes we get letters and emails from daughters of Alam and Alama, and Allah were amazed, and that letter always says in it, either the beginning, oh, my mother and father don't know, or at the end she writes, my mother and father don't know, please don't tell them. So alhamdulillah, at least that girl, she felt some remorse, she reached out, she wrote some email, but still, right, it should be something that we should realize, that shaitan has developed this way, that we can lose our haya secretly, that we can use our haya secretly, even if we come from a dini background, even if we live in a dini family, even if we've had dini education, even if we go to maktab every day. So part of this, this, this danger will go down when a person adopts more simplicity. This danger will go down when a person has more simplicity. More simplicity. And this is why Deen of Islam tried to trim out, cut out entirely anything that can even slightly threaten the hayah of a person. That's why Allah told us in Quran to lower the gates that don't even look at non-mahrum, don't look at them, right? Now, in theory, looking, in theory, looking is what? Hmm? Looking is the door to sin. Looking is the gate to sin. Looking is the beginning of sin. Looking brings a person into danger that they can do physical sin. So the mizaj of sharia, the temperament of sharia, is nip the evil in the bud. Snuff it out. Snuff it out at the outset. Hmm? Now then imagine if just a look can be like that, so then imagine isn't the screen the same thing, dangerous, right? What Allah is teaching us is remove any, entirely remove, entirely, absolutely remove anything that can cause the slightest danger or threat in your ayah. So yes, in the Quran, the gaze is mentioned, but screen can also fall in that category. Screen can also fall in that category. You know, once uh, there was a person who came to me and everything about this perf- person was mashallah perfect. But then they were intelligent, they had knowledge of deen, they were a good person, soft personality, very nice, good akhlaq. Everything was there. Every single thing was there. Their downfall was brought about by only one thing that was the screen. One thing only. There was nothing else that brought about their spiritual downfall. Just the screen. Allahu Akbar Kabila. Yes, good akhlaq, yes, good person, ibadat, 
coming to shaykh, sitting with ulama, respectful ulama, learning deen, khidmat al-deen, dawat al-deen, you name it, he had it in him. Only one thing was enough to bring about his entire spiritual downfall. Just the script. Just the script. And it's going to be true for women also. It's going to be true for women also. Allahu Akbar Kabila. Now, I'm going to say something more and then see you. Now the woman must avoid herself becoming the screen. What the screen means that they call it a display screen. Its full name used to be display screen. The only way a woman can avoid becoming the display screen herself, that's called niqab. This is another thing I found that there are some South African women who are easily, comfortably able to do it. And there are others who have some strange, almost like phobia. Huh? They're scared of niqab. niqab. This is the most sensitive topic for some of you. Hmm? Allah Akbar. This is one of my favorite topics. Unlucky for you. Unlucky hmm? for you. There's only one way, one way. She might wear abaya, yes. She might wear hijab, yes. She's still display screen herself. The only way she herself will stop being a display screen is when she wears niqab, when she covers her face, because the beauty lies in the face. The beauty lies in the face. Hmm? And the mothers themselves know whenever they want to select a daughter for their son, they must look at the girl's face, right? Hmm? Why? Because beauty lies in the girl's face. So when the mothers themselves pick daughters, future daughter-in-laws, when the mother-in-laws pick their future daughter-in-laws, they base it on the face. So then it means that the display screen is the face. That's the display screen. So this is something that's very important. Very important. I know some of you find it difficult. There may even be Allah and some of you are quote-unquote working women in the same age. Now, there's many guidelines that dictate whether or not a woman can work in the first place. But that's a very long discussion. This much I will tell you. That if you come to me with this sentence, that I want to wear niqab, but the reason I don't wear niqab is because I work, that type of work is absolutely not going to happen. There can be no concept of any type of work job, profession, even volunteer role, that person will say that because of that, I cannot wear my niqab. No. No way. Either you become strong enough to wear niqab in that, or you will have to leave that. Hmm? I know this is a very intense topic for some of you, but I'm stressing it upon you for a reason. Right? Not because I'm trying to be harsh upon you, not because we're trying to control you, but because, alhamdulillah, we have understood one thing. And we have understood that that woman who carries herself with the best of ayah, Allah Ta'ala loves her. And this is my dream that Allah Ta'ala love every one of you more. And if you come to Bayan, there should be the only one intention you should have, is that you want to be even more beloved to Allah Ta'ala. So it would be wrong of me to hide this from you that this is a major, major way that you can make yourself more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Now, if you're in that position that your husband doesn't let you do it, because I know sometimes that's the case, if your husband doesn't let you do it, then you should try to do it secretly when he's not around. You can still do it when you go outside. He may not know it, right? Here, all of you, your individual situation, if you have a very extreme husband who has a history of violent abuse and things like that, we may advise you differently. But if you know that the worst that will happen, your husband will just scold you or be upset with you, you still have to follow the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to follow the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm? You will become beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You will revive haya in your heart. You will be the means to revive haya in your children. Maybe the barakah and kubuliyah, the blessing and acceptance of this act of yours, Allah Ta'ala will protect your daughter from many evils in the future. Allah Ta'ala will protect your son from evils in the future. Hmm? So this is another aspect, very important aspect. And really, again, now why tying this in? Because I was talking to you today about those things I find that some, some, not all of you, some South African women have some hesitation in doing that are preventing them from reaching the next level of their spirituality. One was the willingness to sacrifice, one was adopting simplicity, and the third was this wearing niqab. And Alhamdulillah, I've seen that those women who did all of these three things, they were willing to sacrifice part of their time to learn more about their deen, to learn about the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, to practice the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, to get the ilm of deen, and then they were able to at least somewhat, gradually even, but start adopting simplicity in their life. And third, they began, maybe if they didn't do hijab yet, they started hijab. If they did hijab, they added jilbab, abaya. If they were doing and ab- hijab and abaya, they added niqab. They started increasing in their hayat. So they add to their simplicity. They make some sacrifice. They increase in their hayat. These are the three real, real core fundamental ways a woman will become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if she does these three things, then she will benefit tremendously from this path of zikr and tazkiyah. Then she will benefit from the zikr our Mashaikh teach. If she does these three things, she will benefit tremendously from learning ilm, joining the classes that the alamas teach. She will benefit from those things. That ilm and zikr will change her life. That ilm and zikr will inspire her heart. That ilm and zikr will bring her closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when she is willing to do some sacrifice, adopt some simplicity, and increase her outer and inner haya. We make dua that Allah Ta'ala accept each and every one of you for each of these three things. Alhamdulillah, we've been coming to you people for some time, even here in Mayfair and generally, and many times we gave you general bayan on general topics, and you can keep listening to those on the websites and recordings and CDs, however. But today I wanted to give you some targeted advice so you understand now that if you want to take it further, you want to go deeper, you want to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it should be clear these are the three things you need to do. You can take guidance from your mashayikh on this. You can listen to bayans to inspire you on this. You can seek help from the alamas and senior zakras in your community on this. But you must make this your vision. You must make this your target. Alhamdulillah, we have seen that those women, it's not one or two, uh, but the fazl and karam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have been able to 
see who made this decision and this decision changed their lives. May Allah accept each and every one of us to become his true lovers, his true slaves. May he make each and every one of us from the zakirin and zakirat, from the salihin and salihat. Wa akhir da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Before we end the du'a, I'm going to teach you some practical zikr that you should do. Every day you should try to recite Qur'an al-Kareem. Every day you should recite the stick 400 times. Astaghfirullah rabbi min kulli zanbi wa atubu Every day you should try to recite salawat on the Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In Idul Shaykh Allahumma salli ala sinuna Muhammad wa ala ala sinuna Muhammad wa barik wa sallam. And fourth, you should try to make some zikr in your heart. All the time you're at home, housework, if you're ever outside, in any capacity, you might be meeting, driving, dropping, teaching in school, all the time that you are not doing formal ibadah, you should keep trying to remember Allah Ta'ala. The way you will do this is you will try to get the feeling of zikr in your heart. All of the forms, are zikr, uh, forms of zikr are done to get the feelings of zikr. You want to get the feelings of remembrance for Allah Ta'ala in your heart. So you will constantly remind your heart to remember Allah. Remind your heart to remember Allah before every activity, after every activity. Try during an activity so that you keep reminding yourself so much that ultimately throughout every activity, throughout the day and night, your heart is always feelings, feelings, feelings for Allah SWT. In Arabic, this zikr is called wukuf al-kalbi, that your heart is stuck on the feelings of love and remembrance for Allah. This you just practice all day. Then, inshallah, if those you want, you get, you get connected and you can listen to more about this method of zikr on the recordings on the website. Second and last thing I will tell you about zikr al-kalbi is called muraqabah. Muraqabah means you sit for 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, once a day or twice a day. So for beginners, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, either once a day or twice a day. For beginners, it's helpful sometimes if you do it before salah or after salah, but you can do it in any free time. And you sit with this intention that, Ya Allah, now I'm free, I want to remember only you. I want to remember you so deeply, so intensely, that I forget everything except for you. I want to be so aware of your zikr, that I become unaware of everything else in the world. With zikr you will make, you will make zikr of Allah Ta'ala's name. Wadkur isma rabbik. Make zikr of the name of your Rabb, and the name of our Rabb is Allah. But you won't make the zikr of his name with your tongue, rather you will make the zikr of his name silently from your heart, you will simply make niyyah intention that your spiritual heart, your qalb, is calling Allah's name, that your spiritual heart is making zikr, Allah, 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 and you will just sit there in this intention. And you will make yourself unaware of everything. The only thing you're aware of is the zikr of Allah's name coming from your heart. So this practice exercise is called muraqaba. Muraqaba. You do this 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, once or twice a day. You try to remember Allah Ta'ala all the time in your heart. And you recite Quran, make istighfar, make dhuqshif every day. This is one way that you will now be able to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. 
The second is you should try to listen to Bian, Madras, the talks of our Mashayikh. You can try to join the local classes of learning that they have here in your area. You may join the online classes of learning that my wife offers. You should try to learn more about your deen. That, Ya Allah, I ask your forgiveness for all the sins that I ever did. That I ask that you increase me in my simplicity, increase me in my modesty, increase me in my sincerity, increase me in my spirituality. And irada, Ya Rabb, that I have a dream and a wish and a vision that from now on I want to live the rest of my life pleasing to you, following the sunnah of Nabiya Kareem, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I want to work on, work on my tasqiyah, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, to help myself be firm on this intention, to make a firm resolve. I'm making a commitment there to you, Allah Ta'ala, by connecting my heart to a shaykh and mine and Mashaykh, that by listening to and practicing their teachings, by being in their gatherings, and by following the zikr that they instruct, I hope, Ya Rabbi Kareem, that my heart will also become full of love for you. Before we make dua, spend one, two minutes in Muraqamah. Close your eyes, bow your head, disconnect yourself from everything in the world. Go deep into the heart of your ruh, the heart of your button, making it that your qalb is silently making zikr of Allah's name, that your qalb is calling Allah, Allah, Allah. Sacrifice and the same. 
same desire to please you that was in the heart of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi sallam trying to set sunnah talab ya rab that sunnah ragba ya rab that sunnah mahabba ya rab ya Nabi Kareem for those of us who may be struggling in deen slacking in deen lazy in deen sinning in deen that Nabi Kareem all of the women came here today hoping they would hear something that would connect their heart to you remind their hearts of you inspire their hearts to become closer to you yet Nabi Kareem honor their coming accept their coming before they rise from their place and return to their home make them from your beloved Ya Rab grant them the gift of taqwa the gift of haya the gift of sunnah the gift of zikr make them from the salihat mu'minat zakirat mu'minat yet Nabi Kareem many of them may have worries in their heart Worries in their home, ease their worries, Ya Rab. Ease their difficulties, Ya Rab. Those who are married, make them happily married, Ya Rab. Soften the hearts of the husband, soften the hearts of the family. Grant them a marriage and deen. Grant them families for deen. Grant them a home of deen, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Rabbi Kareem, those who are young and yet to be married, or mothers who have young daughters to be married, Ya Rabbi Kareem, make it easy to find pious, honorable spouses who will be their partners on the spiritual path. Ya Rabbi Kareem, make this contention. Ya Rab, grant us banat, Ya Rab, make us razi with you, and we ask that you be razi with us. Grant us that life that is pleasing to you, the character that is pleasing to you. In the beginning, we ask that you remove all the difficulties that are in their heart. Grant whatever their pious requests are, honor their pious dwells. Grant them their wishes, Ya Rabbi Kareem, and their greatest wishes, you, Ya Rabbi. Grant us this wish, Ya Rabbi, that we become yours, and you become ours, Ya Rabbi Kareem. That we become yours, and you become ours, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Grant us a life lived for this, a lifestyle upon this. Grant us, Ya Rabbi Kareem, to be raised on the day of judgment on this. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we make dua for all of the women of this community, all of the madalis and makatib of this community, all of the women teachers of this community, all the talibahs of this community, in the shower, your special rahman on them, raise from them once again, Ya Rabb, women who become zakiras, women who are waliyas, women who are true alamas, and raise from them, Ya Rabbi Kareem, women who will guide other women towards you, women who will inspire and connect other women towards you, send your special hifaza and rahman. رحمان دم يا رب ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم وتوب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين